Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. How good to be in church. Anyone love our church? Come on, I love our church. And whether you're at South right now, whether you're up at North, out West, down in Tauranga, one of the locals online here in the auditorium, we may be one big family, but I love that we get to come together and celebrate, lift up the name of Jesus and just love that God is present as we meet together. And you know, I'm excited about this word. In fact, about four weeks ago, uh, we planned that this Sunday would be kind of, I guess, deemed a I love my church Sunday. And uh, after we talked and decided about that, I really felt like God pressed a passage of scripture we're gonna read in a moment on my heart all the way back then. And I said to someone in the office, I know I'm not normally this prepared, um, <laughs> but I feel this is what we're gonna speak on. And so can, if I forget, can you remind me <laughs> that that's what I feel like God wants us to speak on. And so now we're here and I really believe it's a word for our church. I believe it's a word for every single one of us. Uh, whether you are in a local, online, in one of our auditoriums, I believe God is on the move. Thank God we are gathering back together. Uh, but I am believing for a better tomorrow because of who He is. Come on, anyone with me? What He's done and what He's going to do. And so if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Matthew. And we're going to have a, a look at a few verses found in Matthew 16. And if you've been in church like myself a little while, you've probably heard this taught uh, you've probably read this yourself. I think I've preached on it before, but I found myself studying this again as God took me to this passage. And it's a passage where Jesus is with his disciples and it says this in verse 13 of Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now just for a moment, let's bring that into I guess, present day context, there's plenty of opinion out there as to who Christianity is or what Christianity should be, who Jesus is or what he should be doing. And we are always gonna be faced with the question of what is around us. But as disciples, as followers of Jesus, as we're about to read, not only is this Jesus's question to the disciples back then, but I believe it's a question for right now. And he says this in verse 14, well, sorry, the disciples say this in verse 14, well, everyone around here is saying that you're either John the Baptist, you're either Elijah, one of the great prophets, you're similar to Jeremiah, the prophet, or you're one of those other prophets that's been here before. We don't really know because there's varied opinion out there. <laughs> and then Jesus buries in like I feel like he's burying in on us here in verse 15. And then he asks them, but who do you, who do you say I am? And a guy by the name of Simon Peter answered, he said, oh, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that's a profound statement because the Jews of the day were waiting for a coming Messiah and Jesus didn't look like the Messiah they thought that was gonna come. Jesus didn't act like the Messiah, and so for him to say you are the Messiah was great, but he went one step further and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, because we've gotta remember Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. This was the difference between what they thought the Messiah would look like, what they thought 
or the other prophets were about. This was God himself. And Simon acknowledged this in his revelation, in his reply to Jesus. And Jesus then says in verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from everyone around you. This didn't come from a human being, Jesus said. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And then the good news keeps coming. It says in verse 19, Jesus goes on and says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Sounds like good news to me. Sounds like we have the answer for every need we face. Sounds like every single day we can have a sure foundation in Christ. But isn't it interesting that Jesus speaks reality and renames Simon post the confession of his faith? We're going to take a look at the life of Peter, a look at this passage. And I love how Jesus redefines him from Simon to Peter and makes a note that Peter means Rock, because it goes well with the title of the message today, if you're taking notes because you want to get to heaven like me, then write this down, paper, scissors, or rock. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your presence in our church. And I just pray whatever campus we're at, whatever couch we're sitting on, however we're engaging with your word, would it speak life into our lives? I pray it wouldn't just be another message we hear or one I preach, but you would speak in and through me to every single one of us here. We pray you would have your way in our lives. You are our king and we come to meet and hear from you. We ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever played Paper, Scissors, Rock? In my house currently with three young kids, it's a great equaler when there's an argument. Right, we're all getting together Whoever wins paper, scissors, rock, they were right. You know what I mean? It's just like a great concept of an equaler. Um, but if you know paper, scissors, rock, there's three elements, obviously, in the name they are found. But there was always that one friend that decided they would try and add an element. You know what I'm talking about? It's like on the, on the call of rock, instead of a paper, a scissors, or a rock, they would try snake. You know, they would try gun. They would try lightning, you know, devil, or even the, the classic bomb, you know? And it's like, you can't use those. It's paper, scissors, or rock. They're like, nah, bomb trumps everything. It's like, no, I'll get my scissors and chop the wick off. Nah, it blew up before you even got there, bro. Like, it's like, you can't win, right? It's just like a trump card. And the idea or the concept is each thing can beat the other. But as I thought about it this week, it's kind of strange because I get the idea Scissors can cut paper. Uh, I get the idea that rock can smash scissors. But who ever thought it was acceptable that somehow paper can wrap rock and stay there without sellotape? That, we need sellotape into the equation. You know what I'm talking about? You know, rock just beats paper because it just sits on top. So whether you're a scissor or a rock, rock wins. A uh, scissor or a paper, rock wins. You know, rock never fails. And it got me thinking as I was reading this again, and why was it 
that Jesus chose rock to rename Peter by. And the truth is, we know paper that we use in our day and our age now is manufactured. It comes from a tree through a process. We know that scissors use a process to sharpen and the cross of the blade, they are manufactured by man, but rock is a mineral that over the course of time has always been and will always be. And I think it's really interesting to me that we acknowledge the significance of what Jesus is saying in renaming Simon to Peter. See, he's not just saying, hey, you're gonna be a guy named Peter now. No, he's saying, you will be Peter, which means rock. And the importance of the rock is that it is solid, it is dependable, it can be counted on, and it was here long before you and I ever roamed this earth, and it's not about how well we can do in creating something. It is, it was, and it always will be. It's a dependable resource. And we find here in the Scripture not just the renaming of a guy, Simon, to Peter, but it's the same guy, fast forward a few chapters, that is going to deny the same Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. The same guy that is going to fail Jesus is the same guy Jesus chooses to declare prior to the failure, you're dependable, you're solid, you're reliable, and in you I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot destroy it. You and I need to capture that God wants to do the same in us. There is a world that will say many different things. There is a world that will cause you to live a certain way or believe a certain untruth. But when you and I get to where Peter's revelation was, where not by human perception or perspective did he bring this answer, but by a divine personal revelation, Jesus himself said, you're dependable, you're solid, you're reliable, and I am going to build upon you, and nothing can come against you. In fact, if that wasn't good enough, you'll have the keys to say, I bind that, and I loose that. I get that out of my way, and I invoke this in the power that is found in Jesus. So here's the question. What's my life built on? Is my life built on the opinions of others? Is my life built on a good sort of setup of moral values in my life that my family taught me? Is my life built on fear? Is my life built on doubt? Is my life built on a solid foundation, the rock? His name is Jesus. Because it's not about what may come our way and it's not even about if we hopefully don't fail, because we see from Peter's life, newsflash, you and I will fail, but we can be assured of the foundation that Jesus has built and is building in us. See, not only was Peter the guy that was gonna fail Jesus, he's the guy Jesus chose to show up to post-resurrection first, to remind him, I got your back, bro. He's also the guy that Jesus reinstated three times by talking about and posing the question, do you love me? And wasn't just a, 
love like you experience with other people, but a love that was undeniable. So you and I are led to believe that our faith is based on condition, on good works, but actually, as Jesus teaches, even when we fail in the future, God himself still chooses us. And I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for this experience. If you're on one of our campuses, you would have had a great time in worship, I'm sure. Great time of prayer. A great time of experiencing God's presence. And I am all for that. But the danger is if that comes at the cost of a personal revelation and a personal relationship with Jesus. The church, capital C, (laughs) is not just limited to the ecclesia, the gathering together of people, but the church is actually you and I. The church is not just a place or a building we go or an appointment in our calendar we tick off each and every week on a Sunday, but actually we've got to get to the place where we understand we are the church. And you'll find me every Sunday here in the house because I love this place and I'm all for the communal worship, but it's out of a personal revelation of what God's done in me and what I believe he wants to do through me as to why we gather and we get to be the church. In a few minutes, as I said, we're gonna look at Pete's life and how he's flourished, how we can flourish. But the truth be told, if we're not careful, we can become consumer Christians by limiting our faith just to Sunday. Certainly after eight months here in Auckland of not being able to meet together, it's like, man, I am starving for a good service. (laughs) But if we're not careful, our Christianity will be based on only what we get, not who we get to be. I love life is all about people belonging. Here at Life, we do believe in Jesus, and so we're going to preach and teach that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So there's a belonging, there's a believing, and then there's a building. That actually, to be the church requires you and I to build together. The church has been built for centuries before and will be here long after you and I breathe on this planet. Because it's what God designed, but isn't it interesting that Jesus himself said, based on a personal revelation, I will build my church. I will rename you, and guess what? I won't just build it. Nothing will be able to destroy it and you're going to have answers. You're going to have a key to a lock that has the ability to bind and loose what needs to take place. So let's be encouraged. We are the church. We don't just go to church. This is why we have groups because we believe in community outside of just the Sunday gathering. But this is why we have a Sunday gathering because in attending we get to receive, and then I do believe that we get to be the church by participating in service. To follow Jesus and see the reality of that statement he makes over Peter's life, we all need to realize that he wants to build not in the person next to us, but in you. Do you believe that God can and will build in and through your life? Because if I'm honest, I know who I am, And we're all imperfect people chasing after and loving a perfect God. But if we're honest, we'd say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, Luke, but it's good for them because you don't know me. (laughs) If you knew where I was at, if you knew what it's been like for me, I, I, I couldn't imagine or fathom that God could 
choose me, well, good news about Pete is he's like you and I. He's a bit of a rookie at times. And so you and I can be encouraged that despite our failings, God himself chose us regardless. So here's three, I guess, lessons from Peter's life that I think would be good for us to be reminded of today when it comes to God wanting to build his church and the gates of hell not being able to prevail against it. Number one, Peter had a confession of faith. Mentioned this earlier, but Jesus poses the question to him, who do you say I am? That question is a question for each one of us here today. What's your answer? Because if you don't have an answer, then I'm gonna have it a guess you're scared for the person at work to ask you about what you did on the weekend because you haven't yet settled in your own heart how to articulate who Jesus is to you. This is not a condemnation moment. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but maybe it's an aha moment. I've got to answer this question for myself. What is my confession of faith? Because when Jesus boiled it down and said, who do you say? It was Peter's confession or Simon's confession that caused Jesus to change his name and to build in and through him. Romans 1 puts it this way, for I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. Because it is good news that we have Christ, not bad news. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jews first and also the Gentiles. And for context's sake, that's just a reinforcement. It doesn't matter what you believe right now, he's for you. That is good news. No matter what you'll do in the future, he chooses you. No matter where you've come from, you're good. But sometimes, if we're honest, we're ashamed. Why is that? Because of the opinion of what's out there being louder, watch it now, than the opinion of what's in here. Who do you say I am? I'll never forget as a 12-year-old boy in Newmarket, there used to be a building, it's no longer there now, called the Mandalay where we used to have church. And as a 12-year-old boy, I remember in a service coming up the front to be prayed for And I fell under the power of God. What felt like two minutes, turns out it was two hours. I woke woke up or I came to and everyone else had gone and mum was there waiting. (laughs) And I'll never forget it because there was a vivid visitation where it was like I was sitting at the last supper table with Jesus himself. And I remember it because my favorite food at the time was chicken and there was one of those countdown hot chickens in the middle of the table. (laughs) I'll never forget it. It was a personal encounter. And I remember Jesus looking at me, and I obviously don't know what Jesus looks like, but my mind came up with an image of what it was. (laughs) And I remember him saying, Luke, I've chosen you to build my church. And that was it. That was settled. From that moment on, that was it. I knew what I was destined and called to do, even to the point where it was like, At school, five years later, fifth form, year 11, the careers lady said, okay, we need to choose subjects for next year and align with where you're wanting to go. What what do you want to do when you grow up? 
And I was like, oh, I want to be a pastor. What? You know, a minister, you know, church, pastor. She goes, oh. Okay, well, you can choose whatever subject you like because we can't help you here. (laughs) Come on, man. But everything since that moment has dictated the course of the confession of what I believe and who he is. Can you answer, who do you say that I am? Secondly, not just the confession of faith, but I believe Peter's life demonstrates there's a commitment to freedom. For some reason, somewhere, we've got it wrong where Christianity is supposed to equal perfection. And let's be honest, society will bark at you to be better than you. You know better than that. You're one of those Jesus people. Now, I believe in getting better because that following Jesus, that's what we should be doing. But whatever campus or local you're at right now, whether you're online here in this room, I want you to be encouraged that you don't have to be perfect. He's perfect. But you do, and I do, have to commit to living free. Therefore, what are the things in our life that aren't bringing or providing freedom? Deal with those. We'll start with those first. If I was to put it in a question, not just who do you say I am, but I believe Jesus would now ask of you and ask of me, who do I say you are? See, because Peter heard it from Jesus himself, he believed it. What are the names that are spoken over your life? Maybe someone's spoken over you that you're an addict. Well, Jesus wants to tell you today, you're free. Maybe someone spoke over your life that you're despised. Well, Jesus wants to say, you were loved. Maybe someone's spoken failure over who you are. I want you to know Jesus speaks victory over you. In him is a better day. The challenge is, will we commit to living free? Freedom comes not just when we can articulate who Jesus is, but now articulate who he says we are. In fact, in Galatians 5 verse 1, it says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Watch it. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Don't get tied up again. Don't get tied up trying to measure up. What is the law? It's perfection. It's trying to be the best all the time. And when you're not, you feel like you're giving up. I wonder what it was like for Pete. Fast forward a few chapters. Hey, Pete, you're going to deny me. Nah, mate. I'm the rock, baby. (laughs) Pete, you're going to deny me three times. Nope, you got the wrong Peter. Pete, after the third time, the rooster's going to crow. Sure, mate. What happens? Denial, denial, denial. I can't imagine what it was like in that moment. I'm pretty sure Peter would have thought things like, maybe I am still Simon. Maybe I should go back to fishing. Maybe, you know what? I'm not as good as he says I am. And if you're not careful, 
(laughs) You get tied up because staying free takes a commitment. And it comes through not just declaring who you say he is, but understanding who he says you are. And then thirdly, I think it's not just obviously a confession of faith or a commitment of freedom, but finally it's having courage in failure. And I wrote it that way because you and I will fail. We do fail. Jesus is the only one that doesn't. And it has to be said that Pete had courage in his failure. When everything was going on around him, he had courage to get out and trust Jesus. When everything looked like he was more Simon than he was Peter, he had courage to trust Jesus. What's the question here? Not just who do you say I am, not just who do I say you are, but now where the rubber really meets the road, the question is who do you say that you are? Because someone might have spoken over you failure, but if you're not careful, you'll start speaking it over yourself. Someone might have spoken an untruth that you've decided to attach to yourself, and I feel like Jesus is asking the question for all of us here at life, who is it that you say you are? Because that's where true belief, and not just who he is and what he's done in you, but now what he wants to do through you, the, the kingdom is now established and built and is going forward, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The team are going to come and join me, but it says in Hebrews 10, verse 35 to 39, in the Good News translation, don't lose your courage. Do not lose your courage, then because it brings with it a great reward. Watch now, though. You need to be patient in order to do the will of God and receive what He promises. I'm an impatient person. That is a tough scripture to read. But remember that your courage has patience attached to it. For as the Scripture says, verse 37, in just a little while longer, he who is coming will come and he will not delay. But my righteous people, you and I that have said yes to Jesus, however, will believe and live. If there's one thing that fear does is it stops you from living what God has called you to live. But righteous people will believe and will live. But if any of them turns their back, I'll not be pleased with them. But we, verse 39, are not people who turn back and are lost. Instead, we have faith and are saved. We have faith and we are saved. Who do you say you are? I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High King. I am chosen with a plan and a purpose. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Come on. Courage in failure. I believe it. That if you and I live with a confession, a commitment and a courage, then we will see His kingdom come. His will be done. We will see His church established in and through our lives and the gates of hell. The power of all hell will not conquer his church. Remember what he said, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. No matter what happens out and around us, when we have him in us and choose to trust in him, he will build his church. 
and nothing will come against it that will stop it. Generation after generation tells us that he is building, that it is moving forward and despite no matter what is in and around us, what persecution comes, the church still builds, still stands the test of time, still goes forward and I'm so thankful that even in today's services, many people have made a decision to say yes to Jesus. That is evidence that God is still at work. He's still in control and He still wants to do mighty and great things in and through our lives. But we've got to be a community of people that chooses to always love God and to love people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the encouragement, the challenge to live in this day and this age, to trust You, to confess our faith, Lord God, to get to a place where we commit to stay free by the goodness of your grace that's towards us. Lord God, that we would actually choose to stay stay free and then have courage, God, in failure. I pray that every single one of us that trusts in you would have a new boldness and a new authority to walk out with heads held high, to build your kingdom here, and see something established that will outlast our life and our generation would see the impact and change of a generation with the reality of Jesus. We pray it in your mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank God for His goodness and His grace? Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.